kind of like I'm gonna blitzkrieg my insides. That seems reasonable. All right. Okay. <laughs> Are you starting the the like the radio lab. Radio lab. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. All right. Um, oh. No. For once, we're not. This week, we're not talking about another podcast that we we're listening to. This is something we read on the internet. Well, okay, two of us read on the internet. Abby's going to come into this with absolutely no information of what we're talking about. Whoa, whoa, As whoa. per usual. Abby may have read about it on the internet. That's- I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't just assume she didn't read it. I think she explicitly said she didn't read it. Yeah, well, you were talking and I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Great impression. That was spot on. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, welcome to How Do You Engineer, the podcast in which we now just talk about engineering stuff because it's cool. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I was reading a thing the other day that made me think about language. And uh, I often think about language because language is neat. Mm-hmm. And technology is allowing us to do neat stuff with language that we couldn't do before. And the thing that, that was they were doing that Pete was talking about earlier, was this part of your conversation with your, your uh, father? Or is this yeah. just like... No, okay. it was, yeah. Yeah, so... The premise was that Facebook was creating AIs that were supposed to negotiate, and then they were teaching them to negotiate by making them negotiate with each other, and then they noticed that the AIs stopped talking to each other in English, and it was confusing because the language they were using made no sense. Like, did they spiral out of English, or it wasn't an abrupt change? Well, yeah, I think I think it basically just broke down. Like, they were getting to the point where it was all English words, but they weren't being used in the way that English uses them. They'd be like, <laughs> it, it, like the phrases would be things like, can I have, have, have the, have, have one. And that was the whole phrase. And it was had to do with oh, like yeah. the, the way that they were, the words were no longer being used in a syntax the way that we would normally yeah. use. Like, it was like the frequency of have was an indication of how much they wanted to have something. And then oh, one was an indication of like, it was like, it was a priority yeah, statement. Exactly, yeah. And like, so it was, it was like, they were using things that language doesn't use like temporal uh, yeah. structures yeah. and basically ripping apart the English language and, and changing the way it was used, which on the one hand is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, Hey, this is a whole new idea for how language could work. But on the other hand, it's terrifying because it means that AI, unless we make it speak English, may start speaking a language that we may not even be capable of learning, which is kind of crazy and scary. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, pri- like it doesn't seem disingenuous to prioritize speaking English or speaking a language. We won't even necessarily say English when developing AI because one of the requirements you would think of most AI would be that it can communicate with humans. Well, that'd be one of the requirements for humans for an AI. The AI won't care. Well, okay. So if an AI makes its own AI, then yeah, fine. Well, no, it's it's a question of whether we're creating an AI that's supposed to be good for communicating with humans. Because if it's not, then imposing human communication language barriers is going to make that AI less efficient at the job it wants to do. Yeah. Maybe. It depends on what the job is. Well, I mean, like if they if it wants to communicate as efficiently as possible, yes. its best thing to do is to like for them to scream at each other in like modem noises. Yeah. But if it wants to come up with a better rubber compound for making running shoes, it doesn't really matter how well it communicates with humans. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Is is it the You're saying the you, same thing. Yeah. Do you do you balance <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're here. Thank you, Happy. <laughs> um yeah so the question is actually there's several questions that i want to ask 
Um, I want to I want to pull in another thought that I had while I was reading that article just at the beginning before I forget. I do too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's let's pull in all these thoughts and then we'll try and tie them into some sort okay. of narrative. Mine has nothing to do with language. Oh. Okay. Well, mine does. I was watching the movie. Um, <laughs> I was watching the movie Arrival, and uh, without getting too spoilery, at some point a character is trying to teach aliens how to talk, and they do so by teaching them English. Which, as I was watching, my only thought was. That is the worst thing to try and teach Engl- like teach aliens. If you're going to try and teach to aliens to communicate, English is like nowhere near the top of the list of languages to choose if you're even going to use a natural like Eng- a natural human language. And so I was wondering as a result of that like what I would choose as a language to try and teach aliens and it would probably end up being one of the like constructed languages either like like ones that aren't necessarily used by people, but have been constructed in order to be efficient and easy to learn. And generally speaking, those are abhorred by people who have tried to learn them, but they are like theoretically quite in, like well thought yeah. through. Yeah. So that's another option for like, if you we were going to teach a computer to talk, you could balance the need for it to be human understandable with it being efficient by creating a new language that is better than the natural languages that humans use. But that also on the topic of arrival raises the question of in order to communicate with an AI and an AI and an AI and an AI AI. (laughs) (laughs) that was fun um do you need to teach it a language per se at all for instance in the movie arrival again not to give too much away i don't think it does the chinese delegation teaches the aliens how to play mahjong yes and but well the argument being that is in and of itself a language it's an encoding of information in a way that can be used to communicate okay like that depends on your definition of language i mean Mm -hmm. then then you get into the debate like is music language is dance a language i guess yeah is are like pheromonal communications a language sure so then it's a question of if if the most efficient thing for ais to communicate with is smell yeah is that something we want them to do (laughs) and teach the ais how to pee on trees yeah well maybe (laughs) I can't think of a time when that would be the most useful thing to do, but I can't I can't say it wouldn't be. Fair enough. I mean, there's got to be a reason why dogs do it. They've had a long time to, like, develop some other way of communication if it wasn't a useful thing to do. Well, they also vocalize. Mm-hmm. They don't just pee on trees. That's That's not really a... That's more of a territorial thing. It's communicating a territory as opposed to communicating specific yeah. things about... Yeah, but they're one of the I few. Guess. They're one of the few animals. Like those types of animals are can communicate asynchronously. Yes, mm-hmm. th- in a way that, like, generally speaking, like, without written language, humans don't. How do you mean? Like one dog comes along and pees on a tree, and later another dog comes along and smells it, and it's like, oh, okay, I recognize this dog. Like I can recognize this pheromonal scent, and they don't need to have been there at the same time. Up until humans had the ability to, like, leave a note and, like, carve words. Yeah, it's dog writing. Yeah. Like, the humans, <laughs> until they had language, didn't really have the ability to, like, leave a marker that was identifiable. That's they had not They needed true. some kind of symbology. Well, I guess symbology is, yeah, what I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, like, okay. Or tracks. but Tracks yeah. and tracking but that, is also But that's one. limited. Like, it, it expands the vocabulary. Intentionally marking something in order to pass information to someone who comes by later. Well, the yeah. dogs are intentionally marking things. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Is they have they yeah. have they have developed that ability naturally, mm-hmm. and it has the ad- the advantage of not needing to be synchronous. Yeah, dogs develop the written word by peeing on things. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, that yeah. uh, that was a pretty big digression. Yeah. So the the other question that I think we wanted to cover, not to move things forward too much quickly, but I'm going to because we wouldn't want to do that. No. Well, this is this is a, an alternative to what I was going to ask, which is nothing to do with the conversation. <laughs> All right. I appreciate um, you trying to keep us somewhat in line. So the obvious question is getting back to AIs and communications. Do we limit AIs in their ability to modify themselves or create efficiency in order to create a more humanistic system or a system that is more human centric? So generally in AI research, should you limit AI development in any way just because you're humans mm. and you want them to be something that helps humans or do you just let AIs do their own thing and see where they get because Facebook's argument when they shut down the project was our intention from the beginning was that we wanted to create tools or um, information that relates to how humans communicate so if they're not communicating the same way as humans do it's not useful to us in terms of our research mm. if that's that is fine that makes yeah. sense. But generally, in terms of AI research itself, to see how well artificially intelligent systems can overcome problems, does it make sense to limit that in a way that is understandable to humans or can be communicated to humans or benefits humans mm. generally? I guess I would say in research, limitations don't make sense. But in application, there are already like kind of inherent limitations. Are there any applications of AI that don't benefit humans or teach us about humans? Well, I mean, having having AI that can communicate with other AI in a way that is not human readable or human understandable could have ad advantages if that AI still has the ability to talk to humans. Mm -hmm. Like if they can if they can output information in a way that we can read, the internal processes don't necessarily need to be human readable. No, as long as we can understand the process, I guess. Yeah, I think my point is that a lot of AI research nowadays, and increasingly so, I'm sure, in the future, is purely how intelligent, in quotation marks, can you make an artificially intelligent system? Like, how much can you progress the understanding of artificially intelligent systems? And that isn't necessarily bound by human centrism, if you can coin that. So basically... If you think about the fact that like you train AI systems to recognize patterns or to look at um, objects and know what they are and things like that, we don't necessarily need that. We do a pretty good job of looking at things and knowing that they're an orange or a baseball hmm. and having that automated. It has applications, sure, but they're not necessary in any means. But what it is doing is identifying ways that you can create artificial intelligence systems that have that ability. You can take that knowledge base bring it into a system and say, now AIs have the ability to recognize the difference between a baseball and an orange or the the ability to play Go. Like an AI playing Go isn't helping people. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to see how far you can push the understanding and reasoning capabilities of AI. I, I would assume, though, with the intent of that being a stepping stone to an application that is human-centric and can help us. I mean, the, the end goal isn't to teach ai go and now we're like research is done we don't, we don't. <laughs> that was the end game for ai yeah was to play go. <laughs> we did it we're done no more ai no i think my point is that if the end goal of ai research is to make smarter ai does that necessarily need to have anything to do with the way that humans interpret intelligence or the way that humans understand 
the particular things that they're trying to teach AI. So here's my here's my question. And this relates to <laughs> finally. This relates to what I was uh, just talking to, to my dad about. Um, his question, following up on all the stuff to do with um, Deep Mind and the oh the Google and the Google the Google system that was yeah. taught to play Go and um, beat all these Go champions. His obvious question was: Do they now just let it loose and have it play itself, and not humans? Because it's obviously better than humans at this point. Mm-hmm. Do they continue to have that system? play itself and other variations of its system to see how far they can push its ability at playing go or at this point do they just move on to something else because what they did with for instance the ibm system that played um jeopardy mm-hmm. was they were just like all right well it played jeopardy now we're going to get it to do medical research yeah like they're they're like job done mm-hmm. so i think the overarching question is is it can you just allow AI to then go on and train itself and make itself better by interacting with other AI and ignore humans at that point or just to benefit the, to see how far it can push itself or do you say, all right, well, we've got it to do a thing. Now we're going to do a different thing and it doesn't really matter in the first place. And I guess an extension question to that is, is the way that the AI thinks and the way that the AI communicates there's a lot of stock put in that from a, from a human point of view of what allows us to imagine what another person is thinking is that they think in the same way that we do. They, they think in words, they think in, in these like syntactical structures that if AI is no longer like if the AI mind becomes so alien to us that we can no longer really like project our own thoughts onto it, does it, like does it retain its its capability to be useful to us or does it like does it go on to be yeah we got two robots that can communicate to each other purely in games of go but we have no idea what anything they're saying means um is that useful and will we know if they're plotting to take over the world yeah because basically <laughs> I, th- I think it all comes back to a lot of the ai algorithms that are used nowadays are based on human intelligence yeah they're biologically inspired mm-hmm. or they have to do with um, processes like um, reinforcement learning that are humanistic, but none, but none of them are actually thinking the way that people think. No, but the, none of them are completely different from the way people think. Whereas, if you were to, for instance, have uh, an AI system given the task, this is probably not even possible, and for the near future at least, mm-hmm. given the task of just purely creating learning algorithms. Yeah, I would. Like that doesn't necessarily be- it benefits AI more than anything else, but does it? Does like can you give it that and just say it doesn't matter if it has anything to do with people? Just see how well you can learn by generating different algorithms that have the ability to change their behavior based on their experience. Okay, so is, is are, are we landing on like the big question we're going to try to answer because we're already hugely through the episode and we haven't really actually like landed on what we're talking about. Is the question like should AIs develop be developed for their own purpose, independent of whether they can be useful and whether they can interact with humans, or like do we do we limit the function of AI to something that is human like enough that that intelligence won't be completely alien to us? My my big question, I don't, you had questions that I don't think we've answered, but my question was <laughs> do yeah do we limit AI development to humanistic contexts? Mm-hmm. I think that the I my gut feeling is that it would be really really cool if if human 
intelligence and human society and AI could meet somewhere in the middle. Like if we, we keep, we make, make sure that AI doesn't get so alien that we can't relate to it, but we also allow ourselves to become better by learning things from the way AI does stuff. Cause there's a lot of stuff that AI does because it can. So for instance, in language, we, a lot of human language is kind of stupid when you look at it, but it's, it doesn't, it changes so slowly because there's all of this inertia and because people don't learn don't learn how to speak a language a new way very well. Like they get ingrained with a certain way of speaking a language and they don't unlearn it easily, especially if they're not young children. And whereas AIs can learn languages very, very fast, they can mutate languages very, very fast and they can iterate really fast and they don't stop learning over time. And they have, and they have absolute memory. Like a lot of language comes down to how easy the language is to remember Mm -hmm. because there are rules that you can use to refresh your memory as to how the language works. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you just program in a language into an AI, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have like, let's say that in German, you have three genders that are, as far as I can tell, pretty arbitrary. Yep. That doesn't matter to an AI. Mm-hmm. It just knows. It's just like, oh, door is male. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't need to like think about. I wonder if there are rules that have to do with what things are male and what things aren't male. It's just like, no, nah, door's male. Yeah, but I mean, if an AI, if an AI takes the language and beats around with it a bunch of times, and it comes out with, okay, we don't have grammatical gender because it doesn't serve any purpose for communication, then. I think that's probably a good argument for, yeah, maybe we don't bother with it in normal human communication either. But here's a question. AIs don't have emotion. They don't have um, any kind of expression of like ambiguity or things well, like that. now. Yeah, okay. Which is, which, is, yeah. which is partially an argument for why AIs should be, like why we should be constraining AIs to use human language is because that is the language you're speaking is so tied to the, like it's so closely tied to the emotion and the intent of the things you're saying that once you take that out, then you lose that humanistic aspect of it. So there, I mean, that's, that is definitely an argument in its favor, but I, uh, if we could come up with a more efficient way of communicating by allowing uh, language to evolve at a much higher rate, I think that would be kind of cool. And that's something you could do with AI that you couldn't do with just people because people just don't work fast enough to do it. Or when they do, they create an entirely new language, which is like cool, but nobody's ever going to bother learning it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, see, the, the way I think of it is I don't really see AI as being any different than anything else in terms of there's theory and there's practice. And with the theory, when you do the research, Sometimes you just do research for research sake, just to see what's possible. Mm-hmm. But a lot of time, a lot of research that is conducted is probably not useful for people in, I mean, depending on the subject. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like the most complex situations and that, that never actually have to apply to people. And so developing for practice is different. And so I don't see why we should have to put limitations on AI because there are inherent limitations when you actually move to practice. But like, if you just want to do research and like the crazy stuff, mm-hmm. testing the limits, I don't see, I don't see why we need to limit it. Yeah. And there probably, for that very reason, won't generally be limits because the majority of AI's center is foundationally based in math. And a lot of theoretical math is it's by... Bananas. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's actively not practical. Yeah. Like people who a lot of times do theoretical math research 
do not want there to be a practical application for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I guess, so that, that, the, to play devil's advocate, the counter argument is that theoretical mathematics never goes off and like does something we completely don't expect. AI could theoretically go off in a direction from a, from a like internal communication or uh, intelligence structure direction that we not only don't understand, but may not even be capable of understanding. And that's like, that's, I'd be genuinely interested to know if that's possible, but if it does happen, what does that mean for human intelligence? If AI becomes so alien to us that we're, we don't even understand how it's working. But again, like at the end of the day, if, if you have a practical application of that, that is, let's say, you have a voice assistant. Okay. The, like the, it, the, the big, the big challenge for AI going forward in the big, big sense, the thing that like Elon Musk is all scared about and all the people who are all like, we can't study AI are worried about is that we will create an AI that will have uh, priorities, which don't align with humanity's priorities. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so part of the goal is to make sure when we create AI, it understands what we as a, what humanity wants and it agrees. If we create an AI that not only doesn't understand what humanity wants, but cannot understand what humanity wants, then the chances of us being able to create that AI, a benevolent AI of that type are much, much lower. And that's like, that's the thing I think that scares people about these AIs that don't think or communicate the way that humans do is that we can't even wrap our heads around how you would convince an AI of that type that human life is valuable, let alone like actually doing it. And so those that that's the big hurdle for me is that as long as AI remains humanistic enough that you could that you could reason with it, great. But I could see like these negotiating AIs are already at the point where even like we're looking from the outside in and after a couple days they're at the point where we can just barely keep track of the communication they're doing. Um, how long does it get to the point before we can no longer be certain that the value systems that we're using, like we're implying on um, that we're imposing on the AI, like the, the value balance that they're using to decide what to do, that that still lines up with what we want. Because we, at some point we stop being able to understand how they're thinking or what they're thinking about. And that's where it gets scary. Yes. <laughs> I, this is, I know this is really extreme, but I mean, this is one of the, one of the things where we, like we argued yesterday that, or yesterday, like last episode mm. that, that from a research point of view, there really isn't anything you should be like, you cannot do this. But I'm, and I'm not saying they shouldn't research it, but I'm saying that from where I'm sitting, it gets a heck of a lot more dangerous the further away your intelligence gets from thinking the way humans think. It's control. Because uh, if, if you think about it in the context of, well, at any rate, one way or another, you'll have you'll eventually have like an interpreter. You'll have like uh, a C-3PO who's like, I'm going to, like, I can speak human and I can also speak AI. And so I'll be like your interpreter. Talk and I'll to tell, binary load lifters. Yeah, I'll tell the, <laughs> I'll tell the AI <laughs> what you guys want. And, uh, and it can tell me why or why not it wants to do it. Mm. That's the problem is that you need to be able to fundamentally understand what an AI is doing and how to control its actions in order to prevent it from doing things that are contrary to humans' best interests in quotation marks. Whereas 
just being able to communicate with it is not enough. Like being able to convince it of something is not enough. You need to be able to straight up control it. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like you said, like for you to negotiate and express value statements to an AI requires an understanding of human language. That's true. But I don't think it's even at that point where you want to be doing that. You want to be looking at what it is actually doing and putting a limit that says thou shalt not do this. I mean, research is typically conducted in controlled environments. It's not like develop this thing and let it loose. See what happens. I mean, there's... Yeah, the, the, like I think part of what people are worried about is once you get you get a bunch of little AIs that are all theoretically controlled under their own, like individually they're perfectly safe and they are all doing their own jobs. But when they start interacting with each other, the because they can communicate in a way that humans can't, their separate AI consciousnesses can become a single functioning unit. Mm-hmm. Because they communicate perfectly over over vast distances, the lines between them blur, and the emergent behavior is infinitely variable at that point. Because you don't know, like you get two AIs that do completely different things, they start talking to each other. What does that combined intelligence do? We don't know, especially if we can't understand the process yeah. by which those two parts of its like intelligence are talking to each other. Like people mm-hmm. don't do a very good job nowadays of air gapping computers just to prevent um, infiltration and like using human level intelligence. Like let's say that, for instance, you have an AI that's in a room with no network access. It's just sitting on a computer in a room with a microphone and you talk to it and does stuff. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, yeah, it's air gapped. It doesn't have any network access. It's fine. There's no way it can communicate with the outside world. But then... <clears throat> let's say that somebody brings their code in to make a change to it and the AI puts on that USB stick code that has the computer outside of the room um, change fan speed and or create like yeah, sub-vo- sub-vocalized kinds of audio stuff, yeah. in order to communicate with the one in the room that has a microphone. Mm-hmm. Now it's communicating the outside world using audio. Yeah. And you're like, okay, now it's no longer air gap. Now it's on the internet effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, these are all these are all questions of like of communication and yeah. of the way that the thing of, of the the eyes thinking. And it gets back to your point of like if you can't understand how it communicates or how then it thinks, yeah, subversion is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's scaring people. I, that's that's what what scared me about that conver- about that whole Facebook thing. It wasn't it wasn't like okay, this won't be useful to humanity. It was that very soon this AI will be talking to another computer in a way that is completely beyond us and that's the and and we yeah like it's stuff that we can't even consider like now it's no longer even using audio now it's using like mild variations in the atomic density of the air as measured using a microphone yeah no it's it well even even just like not even vocal communication like right, right right now computers talk to each other over the internet using a very very rigid set of rules and protocols Mm -hmm. if computers start having the capability to change the protocols by which they communicate over the internet then then we're like we, we get to the point where one day you go and all of a sudden you can't use the internet because the internet has evolved into something that we can't communicate to anymore yeah and like that's a distinct possibility and i mean it's a different kind of language uh variation but it's also an, it's it's a similar question of like do we force computers to use tcp ip because it's the way that we know how to communicate with computers. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good point. I think. I think so. It, to answer our grand question of, do you limit AI to a humanistic uh, context? 
I think the answer is uh, I don't know. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you do. I mean, it, it it makes sense to do that. It but it does limit their progress. And so if you're chiefly concerned with efficiency and progress, you might not want to because a lot of things humans do aren't very efficient and do limit productivity. But at the same time, it if you start to open the door to not having systems that humans understand how they function that becomes a very slippery slope if you are trying to limit their ability to influence things that are important like let's say the ai controls if man why can't i say ai let's say the ai from now on Pete's just gonna say random letters and we'll assume he means ai let's say it's an autopilot Mm -hmm. like if you're gonna if you no longer if you're like well we need a really efficient autopilot because this um fighter jet is very fast and very unstable so it needs to be able to process the environment very quickly and not necessarily wait to take commands from the pilot Mm -hmm. if you're if the grand end result of that if it's not closely limited is it just ignores the pilot Mm -hmm. now you have a bunch of people or at least a pilot in a plane and it can't actually tell the plane what it wants the plane to do Mm -hmm. yep no exactly that's that's a pretty small scale well-contained issue Mm -hmm. that's also the argument though that that's practice that's not theory that's not research that's Fair enough. Yeah, but then that raises the question, and we make that step from theory research. Even if we say that that the the research world is a like the wild west, you can do whatever you want as long mm-hmm. as as long as you take sufficient uh, precautions. As soon as you have something that is a self like has the ability to learn and has the ability to change, you can never be certain unless you have like i i don't think you can ever be reasonably certain that it won't do something that you don't want it to especially when it comes down to things like the military where you're concerned with budget and you're concerned with efficiency and results and Mm -hmm. if the only way to get a fighter jet to do what they want to do and they've invested 38 billion dollars in it is to develop an ai that doesn't necessarily speak english Mm -hmm. but they need to get the plane done this is the only ai that can fly it that's when theory bridges into practice without limitations imposed or with or held. Like if, if the let's say that the theoretical model that they developed was in a lab and it was fine, it didn't matter, it was just talking and mm-hmm. they proved that it was more efficient, that they needed to be more efficient without those restrictions, then all of a sudden it is practice and there's no limit. Yeah. That just sounds like someone being irresponsible though. <laughs> yeah. There's limits. We're gonna ignore them. But that irresponsibility is exactly what Elon Musk is always talking about and that's why what, he that's, set that's up why his like... open AI Institute is because mm-hmm. if you're not careful and a lot of researchers and a lot of countries don't give a shit, then bad things happen. If like now let's say it's not the American military, let's say it's ISIS. Yeah. They may not care. Of course. Yeah. Well, or even, but even even well controlled, like the one of the reasons that we don't have plentiful nuclear energy is because of Chernobyl. Yeah, that was a government-run installation with all of the equipment to run perfectly safely, and then they were like, "Or we could not." Yeah, and then they blew up. Yeah, and it was like, and they exactly. set back nuclear power by exactly. basically its entire lifespan. And it so. could not even be ISIS; it could be a guy named Roger who exactly in his that's basement the other in North Dakota. Like, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> Damn it, Roger! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is this is coming across really, really negative about AI. I, I don't think we're actually. Like, I'm not actually scared of AI as a concept. I'm just saying that we need to think long and hard about how, what we want AI to be and how we want the relationship between AI and humanity to function. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I personally think that one of the cornerstones of that is going to be making sure that the AI uses language, uses human natural language. Whether that language is any language that exists right now, I don't care. But 
that at, that we have the ability to communicate with AI, preferably directly. I think that's very well done. Well, well, well put. All right. Well done, Simon. Yes. Any other thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I'm going to bring back the one I had initially that was off topic. What's that? Why was Facebook building negotiating AI in the first place? I don't remember. I didn't like. I, I read the article, but do they want to? Because I it was. I thought my understanding coming out of it was it was something to do with them trying to understand their like the social aspect of their platform, like try to figure out like how can you. I, I'm I'm reading into it. Yeah, I, I would assume it's how can you like try to sway uh, the lesser, the more questionable elements of their platform using negotiation. Is it possible? Is there a way to change the conversation? Hmm. Hmm. Try to make people less um, ingrained <laughs> and echo chambery and stuff. What, like that. what happens when the AI becomes better at convincing us of stuff than we are? <laughs> no, but like let's say that like Facebook of itself as a platform starts to try to open more diverse conversations and make people less echo chambery mm-hmm. as a platform. Like let's say that all of a sudden by making the platform question your beliefs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, like let's say they start like taking actively encouraging discussion between rival groups, like mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats. Let's say they start actually saying like, you know what, you know, has an interesting opinion on this, this guy over here, why don't you chat with him in this messenger window mm. about this topic? Like they, they could do that. That sounds too positive for Facebook. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I, I that sounds too positive for humanity let's be honest yeah. <laughs> oh so on that like very positive note yeah i think i i, I don't think this is something we're, we have an answer to but i think that that is a good direction to like we we want to make sure that ai will continue to be helpful to humanity and the more alien it becomes, the less likely yes. it's going to be able to do that. Whether it's helping us talk on Facebook or helping us fly airplanes, I don't know what. This was one of our good question episodes. Good question. <laughs> is that what this is going to be? It's not a bad series. It's, uh, the, it's not so much tech news. It's the, I was reading this article and it made me wonder about this. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I had that. thoughts. I have thoughts. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's blah, wrap blah, up. Blah, blah, Apple Podcasts, five stars. Give Facebook. us all of your stars. How do you end Facebook? Uh, we yep. love you. Yay. Thanks, Thanks for listening. I, that, that came, I, I, I liked the succinctness of that, less so the fact that it seemed like you were like, not interested in what you were saying. Okay. We got to we we redo that, but like sounding way more excited. iTunes, five stars. Go on Facebook. Yeah. How do you end? Woo!